The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Steady Investor with Mark Vickery and Mitch Zacks. In our program today, we'll help you get started or continue to build your nest egg with some of the best practices for retirement planning. It's time to start right now. Here are your hosts, Mitch Zacks and Mark Vickery. Hello again, listeners of Voice America's Business Channel. Here on voiceamerica.com, this is The Steady Investor. I am your co-host, Mark Vickery, along with Mitch Zacks, uh, Portfolio Manager and Founding Principal at Zacks Investment Management. I'm joined today by Dave Bart. Dave Bartosiak, sorry to screw up your name like that, Dave. Uh, he's a, a Zach stock strategist and also active on Twitter with Bartosiastics. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, what you're doing. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm all about following the markets, of course. It's mm-hmm. kind of been embedded in me from an early age. Okay. Um, so, you know, recently we've been keeping an eye on the Fed and the Bank of Japan and a lot of these tech earnings that are coming out. And uh, on Bartosiastics, my Twitter page, I right. like to. I post a lot of videos that I do, um, finding the the lighter side of Wall Street, so to speak. Okay, very interesting, and it's uh, kind of a play on stochastics as well. Uh, right, correct? so Bartosiastics is my last name in statistics, right? Statistics, kind of okay. in one. So um, I see. So yeah, I just started with a B and kept on going, and I thought it sounded clever. So <laughs> figured, right. yeah, sure, we'll stick we'll stick around with this. Well, that's great. Now, before we get started, I wanted to mention to all our, our listeners, uh, to the study investor, to contact a rep at Zach's Investment Management. Uh, I'd advise you to call 800-249-2934 to discuss managing your retirement assets. Or for more information, you can email us at ziminfo at zax.com. That's Z-I-M-info at zax.com. Okay, what do we got on tap here? We've got a uh, pretty solid uh, Q2 so far for earnings season, uh, including who's the big winner, Dave? Uh, Facebook, last night for sure. Yeah, I would say overall uh, in Q2 earnings, Facebook just knocked it right out of the park, didn't it? Yeah, it's great. You know... We've been talking about this sort of earnings recession that's been taking place over the last several quarters, right? Um, and everybody's worried about it, right? Uh, and, and really, the battle has been the dovish central banks versus the earnings recession, right? And then whenever the market was coming down and the bears were in charge, then we'd say, "Oh yeah, it's earnings recession. That's the problem." Um, and then uh, whenever we were in you know bull mode and the rally was on, it was because of dovish central banks. Well, now. We've got what negative three point six percent. I think earnings growth on the S and P so far is kind of what we're, and we're gauging. About, about halfway quarter. through, is that correct? About halfway through. But if you take out energy, mm-hmm. we actually have ten bips of growth. Now that's not fantastic, right? right. But ten bips is better than no bips, that's right? True. So we're starting to move in a positive direction, and uh, so I think now with Facebook here, you know, the big earnings from them, um, that's kind of giving people hope because a lot of that. A big chunk of that earnings was mobile ad spend for them. Right. But before we get into the Facebook discussion, I want to get more into that for sure. sure. But last week on this program, John Blank, who is the chief strategist for Zach's Investment Management, said the earnings recession is basically over now. It will show up in Q3 earnings. But he's saying it's done. We no longer have an earnings recession that's gone on for four quarters. Now officially will be the fifth. 
but um, and you're you're in league with that, correct? Yeah, totally. I totally agree with that. All right, so let's talk about Facebook then. How well did they do in Q2? They hit uh, 1.71 billion users and uh, have a record share price. It's just mind-boggling when you think of it. Um, that is that, I mean, how many people have smartphones in yeah. the U.S., right? Yeah. So it's pretty much everybody or on Earth, I mean. Pretty much everybody on Earth has a smartphone, and they have Facebook. Um, so the big numbers, yeah, 1.7 billion uh, monthly active users. Monthly I believe they have 1 billion active daily mobile users. Right. Right? Um, so that's pretty incredible. Revenues came in, I think, $6.5 billion right. um, in, in the advertising. $6.44 billion in revenue. Yeah. But that blows past the estimates. Right. Which is which is remarkable. And the frustrating part about Facebook for their competitors is they do it without spending hardly any money. Because yeah, right? you do one Facebook and everybody joins it. Right. And they do it themselves. Right. So, so what they're able to do now is they're able to you know, take advertisers' money and really target specific audiences, you know, to a T, um, because you know so much about a person when they're on Facebook. So, you know, you can find somebody who's between 30 and 32 who, you know, hates the Green Bay Packers, um, who loves Corvettes. Are you and, explaining? You're, you're <laughs> describing yourself, I think. <laughs> uh, and you can uh, and you can target them, you know, specifically with these ads that don't cost as much as doing just a broad blanketed you know, carpet bombing campaign. So it's the real smart advertising that can pinpoint. Um, and I think that's that's the biggest thing that jumped out to me on Facebook here is how they're able to continue to grow these revenues even at this size and scale. And they're at the fore of that type of uh, ad revenue, is that right? I mean, ad revenue per uh, per active user is also up, and that's another big metric that we look right, at. Right, it's like $3.82 or something <laughs> like good that. Pretty good for everybody who uses it. That's a pretty good average to have. Right? Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Um, and think, you know, in Facebook, they just give it to you for free, right? You know, they're never going to charge for Facebook. It's always going to be free. You're always worried about how are we going to monetize this, how are we going to monetize that. And now they're starting to open up other chains of their business, other aspects of their business that they'll be able to monetize. So, Such as? So now the Messenger app. Okay. Right? So, um, and WhatsApp. So he's got half a billion WhatsApp um, Right, and he bought that now. company a couple of years ago. Is right, that right. So basically, I mean, his... And we keep saying it's Zuckerberg, right? Mark right. Zuckerberg. Right. His whole vision is that you know I give it away until I get to a certain threshold, and then I'll go ahead and figure out how to monetize it. Um, and I think having this kind of quarter over quarter victory that he's having continuously, mm-hmm. um, slowly but surely, the faith in Zuckerberg as a CEO is going to go through the roof. And then after this report, really now he's going to be started. You know, you're going to mention him in the same breath as Jeff Bezos, right? And I don't think he used to do that. Especially not when they first IPO'd. I know everybody was skeptical about it. Like, you know, here's this kid who, you know, came up with this company and figured it out. And now now he's going public. But can he actually run this thing? I think the answer is definitely yes. For sure. They did struggle in the beginning. And it was because of the mobile problem that they had. They figured that out. Uh, I'm sure he hired the right people. And they're off to the races. 16th beat out of 17 quarters. As we said before, 1 billion daily daily mobile users. Uh, what other metrics can we? What other, what other uh, facts can we find out about this? Oh, it changed its news feed algorithm to prioritize posts from friends and family. This is a little bit what you were discussing before, right? That they're changing rather than a broad blanket or a broad and brush. And that's the thing too is that Facebook continues to evolve. The user experience of Facebook continues to evolve, and these are kind of qualitative things you can't necessarily, you know, pick out from the earnings report, but. Um, when, when you're on Facebook, you're, you're starting personally, I, I look at Facebook now before it was just like, Oh, what are my friends doing? What are they talking about? Mm-hmm. Right. Where are we going to go? Right. 
Um, and then now it's like, oh, there's these trending stories now that all my friends are chiming in and we're talking about. So then these become the important stories that I should actually pay attention to. Right. Uh, and, and Facebook's good because it'll give you kind of, on the right side, it gives you like, you know, I don't know, eight stories or whatever. And then you could pick specific ones that you can choose to ignore and the algorithm takes that into account and then maybe next time you're not going to hear about Kim Kardashian and you know because <laughs> you don't need to because I not don't a... care right but <laughs> here she did she snuck her way into the podcast <laughs> that's pretty funny <laughs> very good so who is Facebook's competition anymore I mean it's not LinkedIn because they got bought by Microsoft that's a, a different player is it the Microsofts that they're competing against now the Googles it's the Googles Okay. It's the Google. So I wouldn't even put them in the Microsoft because Microsoft has still got, you know, I mean, they've got their, their Windows software and such, um, but they've still got all sorts of different hardware that they're trying to get into with that. And of course, obviously, they have Xbox, right? So there's a whole different sort of world. They've got their own little Xbox C Microsoft ecosystem that they're sort of building off, right? Right. And then you've got the whole Google ecosystem, which is the YouTube and, you know, and your, your just regular old Google experience, your Gmail, their Google Office suite and all that. Um, and then you have, you know, Facebook sort of in its own world. I think they're trying to build out um, just in a different way. So that right? becomes your one-stop shop rather than just Google like it is in a general sense now. Right, right. Because the first thing you do, you go to Google, you Google something. I mean, that's how I, that's right. how I do it, right? And people say it like that. It's like, right. I mean, it's a verb. Go Google it, right? right? People aren't saying go Facebook it, right? Not yet, but I think that's going to start to evolve. And again, it's just going to be different sorts of ecosystems that you have, and then people are just going to kind of choose which one fits their sort of personality, and then you're just going to be in this. But then it'll it'll end up getting integrated anyway. So job accomplished for Facebook in Q2, no doubt. Uh, after the bell today, we have Alphabet, which is Google, and we have, uh, you mentioned before, Jeff Bezos from Amazon, two another, another big hitters uh, for Q2 earnings season. I don't know if that's their, their fiscal Q2 or what, but... Um, what are we looking at from them? Do we have any? Uh... Yeah, so I mean, Amazon, I think the big thing is going to be the, the cloud, right? You saw Microsoft came out and doubled their money from the cloud. Mm -hmm. um, so you're going to have, I think you had a lot of hope that Amazon was going to give us some real rock star numbers on that. And that's AWS, right? Uh, that's yeah, that AWS is the name of that business. And um, they've, been, they've done well with that in recent quarters. As a matter of fact, Amazon was a hit or miss company as far as earnings per quarter for a number of years. Sure. Uh, it kept growing and growing, but it wasn't necessarily hitting its numbers. Right, because uh, Bezos doesn't care about EPS. Right. He just doesn't. He wants the revenue growth year over year. He wants to take over the world and then, you know, figure it out later, right? <laughs> um, go back and count the bodies after, you know, they all hit the floor. All right. Um, but he's... Uh, you know, so so I think we're going to be looking for the cloud business. Obviously, we're going to get a we're going to get a commentary on you know the overall health of the economy by seeing what their sales are. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably going to give us some sort of insight into you know what's next, you know, for Amazon. I saw they're testing the drones over in Great Britain because right. they couldn't do it here. And they just struck the way a deal that they with wanted that. to, right? That, yeah, that plays into the whole Brexit thing, and it looks like people are working that out as well. But in Amazon's case, they're actually they're really going to deliver things via drone now, huh? Yeah. Here in the states too, or is it just they're going to try it there first? Uh, I, I well, there's you know you've got the FAA and all sorts of licensing thing issues here, you know, yeah. stateside. Um, so we'll see what comes out of Britain initially through this uh, through this deal. Okay, and let's talk about Google a little bit or Alphabet, their holding company. Uh, what do we expect from them in earnings? And just more of the same uh, steady. Uh, is it even a growth company anymore? I don't know if you can say it is. Um, I don't know exactly what their valuation is, but I, I bet that it, their valuation says it's a growth company. Okay. <laughs> I have to double check, uh, pull up the PE on that. Um, but you know, they've just got their hands in so many different right. different businesses right now, right. um, and, and that's kind of why they made it 
alphabet so that you could you start thinking about it. It's more than just Google. Um, it, it, there's so much there's so much more dynamic than that. Right. Um, and with the project Tango, and then now they want to get into obviously like autonomous driving cars and things like that. So you, it, it, there's a lot there's a lot going on at Google. Um, but I think the the ad revenue spending that you're seeing on Facebook that's obviously going to be reflected in Google's earnings. I think here too. Um, and if that happens, then you know a lot of these smaller players are going to get, get bumps. Anything mobile advertising related should definitely get a bump off of this, as long as Google kind of keeps keeps up the uh, the Facebook momentum as right. far as the, the mobile ad spend. But I don't I don't see any. A few companies have already talked about it. I don't see any reason why that's not going to happen. Right. Okay. Before we continue, uh, I just wanted to say uh, I'm the Steady Investor, which is this program. We're talking about Q2 earnings and specific companies uh, uh, that are reporting earnings um, this week and last week and next week. Uh, we're right in the middle of it, actually. Uh, and to contact a representative at Zach's Investment Management, I would suggest calling 1-800-249-2934 to discuss managing your retirement assets. Or for more information, you can email us at ziminfo at zax.com. That's Z-I-M for Zach's Investment Management, info at zax.com. Okay, uh, let's see what else we have. Now, part of this, and we're seeing great numbers out of the market in general, the S&P, the Dow, NASDAQ, they're not up every single day, but we're at historic highs. Sure. So this is all, this is an all Q2 uh, based. It's also on things like energy not bottoming out, uh, Brexit not being the calamity that we initially thought it might have been. Um, what other things are keeping uh, things uh, buoyed up in the market? So I, w without getting too far into it, I, I've kind of always had this sort of uh, buckets of money approach to the market, right? So, so, so? so the way that I look at it is you got to, if there's a ton of liquidity that's out there, right, a bunch of money out there, the money's got to go somewhere, right? right? So we've had kind of that argument here in the U.S. of, oh, we're the only game in town. It's the only place that you can go. Right. So I, I think part of it is a function of kind of the global quantitative easing that's taken place. There's just more money out there. Okay. And then so it goes to certain parts in the risk ladder. That's where I get the buckets, right? So if you're looking at you know global sovereigns and U.S. Treasuries, they pay so little because there's so much demand for them because there's so much money that's being poured into there, okay. right? So that bucket kind of starts to flow over, and then you go a little bit further on the risk scale, right? Okay. So what it's what it's doing is that these monies are flowing into the equity markets. Um, and the risk versus reward is, is pretty decent there because mm -hmm. if you take a look at what your kind of risk-free premium, what your risk-free rate is, it's, you know, nothing virtually. Okay. Um, so then it makes those equities that much more attractive. And again, there's just that much more money out there. And the reason why I think that if you, if you look back, it used to be, you know, this perfect sort of, well, I guess theoretically perfect sort of inverse relationship between bonds and stocks, right? It's right. like, oh. Well, if bonds, you know, prices increase and yields drop, then obviously that means you know the stock market's going down, right? Mm -hmm, right. But it doesn't work that way anymore. We have plenty of days where, you know, even just a few weeks ago, it was like Dow's at all-time highs and the ten-year is at near-record lows, right? Right. It's like what's going on here? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. I think that's just a function of there being that much more money out there. So it's not this binary choice of am I going stocks? Am I going bonds? There's just so much more that it can go both places. So I right. think that's why you're seeing stocks as high as they are and potential that stocks could increase, you know, just a mind blowing amount. And we wouldn't even, cause we haven't had that irrational exuberance yet. Right. No, haven't no, had that not in a while. Right. Throw a dart, a dartboard and that stock's going to go up. Right. Um, so basically you're saying, don't think of it as zero sum. Think of it as 
just a, a progressive wealth of of market activity. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, and I think that's that's good to keep in mind. Although when that um, exuberance does kind of hit the market again, yeah, when does it pop? Well, I mean, when it does pop, it's not going to pop in an overall deflationary global pressure situation. Will you yeah. see forward indicators about, uh, okay, maybe this is a little overextended? Absolutely. And where would those be? When you do start seeing inflation, you know, across the board in developed markets, when okay. you start seeing that be, and be substantial too. I mean, we're still talking, the ECB, the Bank of Japan and the US, we're still hoping for 2% inflation. Right. Think about how historically low that is. Right. That's true. Right. Because there's kind of this glut of money. It's not flowing through. You need that velocity of money to start going through, to start seeing that inflation, to start having some worries about, okay, maybe there's too much of this sloshing around. But there's not enough sloshing around yet. That's why there's still deflationary pressure. Right. Well, I wanted to just tell everybody in the Steady Investor, which is this program, I'm talking here with Dave Bartosiak, who's a Zach stock strategist. And also, he's got his Twitter feed called Bartosiastics. So check him out at Bartosiastics or uh, and the Zach Stock Strategist um, feed as well. So um, I wanted to talk about Bank of Japan, but I think I want to wait and talk about that with the Fed um, uh, in the next segment after we take a break. And uh, right now, I just want to finish up. Like, is there any other thing on Q2? Uh, you know, gold was always the hedge against you know a market falling back a little bit, but those gold stocks did well as well. Brexit changed everything in the short term. Okay. Because you had those huge money flows out of the UK, which is essentially what it is. The cool part about currencies, not a lot of people look at them or they have no real understanding what they are, right? Right. They just kind of look at the number and go, okay, yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty much a measure of the flow from one currency to the other, okay. right? So if the, if the pound was at 150 and now it's down to, you know, 125 right? right if the pound moves that it's not there right now it's a little it's 130 ish anyway if the pound moves like that then then you know that there has just been a mass exodus from the british pound into the u.s dollar right right so you can see that money flow so then now like i was saying before now all this money's here in the u.s dollar or if you're trying to get it out of britain what are you going to do how can i find some stable value here well i'll buy gold yeah. Right. I mean, you have to buy some store of value, whether it was U.S. dollars, whether it was Japanese yen, whether it was gold. It had to get out of the pound. So that I think was the reason for that more than any sort of global fear. Okay. Um, it was more part of it was anti-fiat currency trade, but more of it was just money flowing. Right. Right. Well, now you can buy the gold equities as well, and those are because the markets are going up. So might exactly. as well take advantage get, of it on both sides. Both, both sides. That's there. very interesting. You're listening to The Steady Investor here on Voice America's Business Channel. I'm Mark Vickery. I'm joined today, as I said before, with Dave Bartosiak from, from Zaxx. And uh, we have only just a few seconds, and we will take a break and come back and talk about the Fed and the Bank of Japan. Oh. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The Steady Investor Show is brought to you by Zach's Investment Management, a wealth management boutique formed over 23 years ago and manages several billions of dollars for thousands of customers. At Zach's, we believe acting in your best interest is our obligation. Zach's focuses on providing solutions and listening to our clients' needs. With trust in the financial industry at an all-time low, we find this focus to be a key differentiator for our firm. We're based in Chicago and have a team of advisor representatives located across the country to help you with your retirement planning. 
Whether you need help with financial planning or looking for a second opinion on your retirement plan, give us a call at 800-245-2934. Or to learn more, go to ZimWealth.com. Again, that number is 800-245-2934. Or go to ZimWealth.com. Fast performance is no guarantee of future results. Potential for loss exists in any investment. Material is for informational purposes only. It is not investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice. A recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. No advice is given about a strategy's suitability for a particular investor. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to The Steady Investor. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to cgaitan at zax.com. Now, back to the show. Hi there, listeners of Voice America's Business Channel. This is The Steady Investor. I'm Mark Vickery, joined with Dave Bartosiak from Zach's. Um, we are a uh, part of Zach's Investment Management, um, the steady investor is, and I wanted to say, oh, Dave, we're talking about Bartosiastics, which is your Twitter feed. Um, it's, it's spelled B-A-R-T-O-S-I-A-S-T-I-C-S. Is that correct? That's right. So, it, it's, it's the love child of my last name, Bartosiak. Right. So you just cut off the K, right, and then just put uh, S-T-I-C-S at the end of it. So Bartosiak. Statistics, which would be even a worse Twitter name. That's right. <laughs> Bartosiastics. But it's good. It's, it's, it's entertaining stuff. Um, you go into charts and graphs a little bit, too. about All the, the time. Big big lines on charts kind of guy. Um, I tried to point out. a little. I do it a little differently, though. I, I'm not going to just sit there and go, oh, the 20-day crossed over the 50-day, so you buy. Uh-huh. Right? I'm more thinking of the actual mathematics behind this and what does this tell us. Right. Right. So if I see, you know, a ton of volume has gone out on this stock at twenty dollars and then now we're seeing a shifted momentum at this level. Now we should move. So it's more about kind of order flow at certain price levels versus just lines on charts. It's a very interesting perspective, especially uh, considering that Zach's investment management mostly is concerned with uh, retirement assets. So if listeners to The Steady Investor are interested in contacting a representative at Zach's investment management, uh, call 800-249-2934 and you can discuss managing your retirement assets uh, or you can find out some more information by emailing us at ziminfo at zax.com, Z-I-M as in Mary, info at zax.com. Okay, let's, uh, we were talking about Q2 earnings before, but let's move on to, uh, oh, I see you had an article that came out yesterday. Uh, it's entitled Tech, FOMC, and the BOJ. So tech, we know that's about uh, technology companies. The FOMC is the Fed and the BOJ, Bank of Japan. Uh, what three, what do these three things have in common, Dave? Well, they were kind of the, the main events heading into this week. Okay. So we knew we had a ton of tech earnings on the table. We had the FOMC statement, which most of us figured was going to be a non-event mm-hmm. and ended up pretty much being a non-event. They didn't raise interest rates, which of everybody knew they would. Of course not. Of course not. And, and they, uh, you know, they they crossed out one paragraph and added another paragraph. And, and people were always it. parsing that very finely, looking into Absolutely. what language. Can you imagine changed? that if somebody was parsing over what you wrote every day like that? <laughs> like, oh, wait, there's a, there's a the. There's an extra the. They paused. They had to think about it more. You know, it's absurd. But 
sometimes there's meaningful changes in the language, um, and we de- we did see a little bit, a little bit of that last week or yesterday in the Fed statement. In the Fed statement, yeah, they, they kind of took out some of the things about the short-term economic risks, right? Some of the things we were worried worried about, um, and painted kind of a nicer. A, a sunnier, rosier picture, so to speak, of what the econ- where the economy is currently. Okay, and when they do that, that means they're more likely to raise interest rates in the near term. When do we know when? September, would you say? So, if you look at the the, the CME's FedWatch tool, which I love to use, gives you, gives you the actual probability based on um, you know the futures markets um, uh, what they believe. The, uh, the chances of a, of a rate hike are. Okay. And um, if you're looking at September, the odds of staying put actually increased from 80.5% to 82% after their statement. After the statement. This is because of the people parsing through the language and saying it's even less likely, so slightly less likely. Right. Well, the actual calculation of it is based on, uh, I think, the euro-dollar futures. Okay. Not to be mistaken with the euro versus the dollar. But anyway, okay. it's right. like time deposits, it's all bank, you know, future. Uh, okay. Don't worry enough. about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, high level sort of, it's what banks use to kind of mitigate their interest rate risk over time. Um, anyway, so it, it's based on that. So it's a real mechanical sort of calculation. It's not, you know, a few guys in a room trying to, you know, figure out a number on it. So um, it's them kind of looking at the entire market and being able to do that. So okay. anyway, and only an 80, 82% chance of them staying put in September now, right? Oh, you had okay. one dissenter, Esther George, who came out and said, uh, no, we should raise rates today. Um, so one is not enough to get it done, right? For sure. And I think you'll see that, you know, leading up, you'll, you'll see, oh, there was one dissenter this meeting. Oh, there were three dissenters this time, you know. They'll okay, release the minutes in three weeks or something like that, right? right. And they can really, then they parse through that they language. They parse through that, exactly. Um, so basically, I mean, it was, it was what everybody already knew, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to stand pat. We're just gonna kind of wait and see, because um, it's almost like it's almost like there's a queue. It's like these central banks are all waiting until one thing happens for the next person to go. Okay, now you go, but they have to, because all three of them can't act at once, right? Because right. they'd just be too crazy. So heading up, uh, leading into the the meetings in uh, you know in June, right? Right. Everybody was like, well, I'm not doing anything. Because it was right after the was that no, it was before the Brexit vote, but it was right after a terrible May jobs report, if you remember. Yeah. So yeah. that I think got gave the Fed cold feet. So everybody's like, you know what? Whatever, we gotta wait for this thing, right? Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that with the with the BOJ too, because okay. it was just kind of like everybody was like, well, let's wait for it to happen. And then after the Brexit, the Bank of England came out and they said, okay, well, we're not gonna do anything because we have to wait for Brexit to go ahead and play itself out. And that won't happen until the. Charter 50 or whatever it's right. called. Actually, they've got all active. sorts of stuff going on there, right? Right. I mean, they're saying the new prime minister, and then they have this whole, you know, this whole process that has to take place for them to pull the trigger on Article 50, and then you know that sets the two-year time frame, and then yada yada yada. And that probably won't happen until early uh, 2017, you right? Know? If it happens, if it happens, course, right? Well, pretty much now the markets seem like everybody's kind of like, all right, fine, it's going to happen. They're pricing it in, but they're not pricing in um, a terrible, you know, occasion. Right, right, right. It's just, it's already, it's already there. It's already happened. Right. That's why we saw, I mean, I was up at night. Uh, probably shouldn't have been. I should have went to sleep. But I was <laughs> up watching the futures um, after, during, the, after the Brexit vote. Really? And I, I mean, I was, you know. Pretty shocked, I imagine. I went, I went to the bar, right? <laughs> and I had to have a, I had to have a beer. 
you know, like, so I could go to sleep because I was just <laughs> stunned. I was like, this is incredible. You put um, REM in the jukebox. It's the I end mean, of the world. As I'm, we know. I'm telling you, when you, seeing that seeing that ES contract get down to like 1980 um, was incredible. Yeah. And then now the move that we've seen since then is equally as, as incredible. It came right back. We're showing some right real back. health in the market overall on the global market. came right back. But then again, that is, I believe, direct function of money flowing out of the British pound into the U.S. dollar into the U.S. Okay, let's switch gears then. Let's talk about the Japanese stimulus package. And um, that's also from, was that yesterday or two days ago? Uh, very recently, uh, the Abenomics has taken yeah. another uh, a step. So that unique Japanese amalgam of you know tax breaks um devaluing their currency um and um and fiscal stimulus mm -hmm. um that's abenomics right so you got shinzo abe running the show over there as prime minister this is his plan and the good news is in japan it's not like there's a bunch of people arguing with each other um, and not, you know, that have no faith in this thing, right? Everybody's in it together for the most part. Obviously, there's, you know, not 100% of the country agrees with them. But um, not super polarized, though. Not, not as, no, not, <laughs> not super polarized. They're all kind of in it together, and this is the plan, and they've committed to it. Because, look, you've already had two decades of economic malaise, right? Yeah, got to do something. So it's like, so, all right, let's try this, right? I mean, what's the worst that can happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't know what the worst thing can happen is. Worst that can happen is, you know that they have more debt than they do now, right? I guess so. And that would just continue the malaise then. So uh, talk, talk about Shinzo Abe, though. So how is he uh, approaching Yeah, so, so, so he just came out. Um, I, I guess I got So the Bank of Japan, right, has rested on their laurels for the most part, right? They've kind of kept steady their stimulus package. Mm -hmm. um, they haven't made any moves, right? And then heading up to Brexit, the market wanted them to do something. And they didn't. And the Nikkei took a punch right to the face. It was okay. terrible. And then now it's kind of like, all right, you need to do something now, right? We've mm -hmm. waited for you. Everybody else is on the sidelines waiting. You need to make a move immediately. It's got to happen now. So Abe really cleverly sort of put together this 200 and I think it's 265 trillion yen package and that would be translated to 280 billion in u.s dollars yeah and, and that's a, like a tax break package that he wants to put together okay right so now he's waiting sort of on the uh the bank of japan to go ahead and produce actual stimulus it's yeah. like okay so this is my part now you do your part and we're expecting a, a something on this tomorrow is that correct tomorrow yeah overnight tonight Okay, right. For um, hopefully, it's not dramatic enough to force me to go to the bar and have a beer again. Right? <laughs> You're gonna stay up late. To listen to this. <laughs> I will stay up late because I'm like a junkie with this kind of stuff. I can't help it. Um, I get yelled at all the time by my girlfriend because of it. Um, but anyway, so I, what we're expecting out of the Bank of Japan is something's got to give. There's been rumors about helicopter money. Right, we have heard so about that. So that's just direct that. stimulus to the Japanese population. So remember back when Bush gave us all a check. Right. That's what we're talking about, right? Um, them just giving checks to, to the populace. To stimulate the economy. To stimulate the economy. Now, that's the hope. Now, this is the thing. And there's an easy way to fix this, right? So part of the concern is people are saying, well, if you go ahead and you do this helicopter money and you give people, you know, whatever. I think it's going to be like 100 bucks U.S., right? So it's not a ton of money. But they're saying if, if it's not in excess of their needs, that they're just going to end up saving it and nothing happens anyway. Right. All right. Interesting. Well, here's an easy way to fix that. You give everybody a prepaid debit card 
that if you don't use it by the end of the month, it's zero. If you really want to stimulate the economy, Problem the local solved. economy. Okay, that's very Problem interesting. Solved. They go out, you have to spend it, it has to go out there, done, right? But You're welcome, Bank of Japan. <laughs> that was Bartosiastic, B-A-R-T. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Folks, I wanted to, to let you know once again, if you're interested in contacting a representative at Zach's Investment Management about discussing your management, uh, about discussing your retirement assets, uh, call 800-249-2934. Uh, for more information uh, from Zach's Investment Management, you can go to e you can email us at ziminfo at zax.com. All right. We're with Dave Bartosiak from Zach's. Uh, I'm Mark Vickery for The Steady Investor. Uh, what are we going to talk about now? We've gone through Q2 earnings. We've talked about the Fed and the fact that, oh, well, let's finish up with the Fed, though. Um, do you think December is the first time? Are we not going to yes. raise rates until? No, I think December. Um, and it'll be a quarter point, so not really a lot of damage either way. So I thought last year that they weren't going to raise at all, right? And at the beginning of the year, I said that. Right. Everybody else likes to flip flop every two months and, you know, change their. I, I stick with it, man. <laughs> so throughout, I said they're not going to raise this year at all. So that we got one. Right. We got one raise. Right. So then heading into this year, I said, well, I think maybe we get two. All right. Um, Which we haven't had yet. Yeah. So I, I'm going to be wrong. Yeah. But I think my point was that this is happening very slowly. Yeah. It's not going to unfold quickly at all but they're not gonna come out and tell you that if you're looking at so if you looked at the dot plot mm -hmm. so that's where all these governors they basically give their forecasts for where they believe rates are going to be over the long term so they tell you throughout 2016 2017 2018 and the long term right and they kind of scatter these dots about and you see sort of where the center sort of the median of the Fed is, um, and, and we've seen this evolve over time, where this used to be a huge ramp up, now it's flattening more and more and more. So I, I think the Fed is not as transparent as they would like to be, because they don't want to freak everybody out. Okay, you think they'd, they'd like to be more transparent than they are? I think they could be more transparent than they are. Okay. I don't think they want to be necessarily because if they come out and they say, you know what, guys, forget it. We're not raising rates to like 2020. <laughs> okay. Right? Right, Everybody's going to freak out, right? Mm -hmm. We're just going to lose it. So I, I think they, they put these sort of expectations out there and then they're slowly, you know, dropping them. And if you looked at the dot plot the other day, there's still one dot that's at, you know, 50 bips into 2018. Okay. So there's one person that basically believes we're only going to raise one more time before through 2018. Oh, through 2018. Wow. Yeah, through 2018. Wow. So that's pretty incredible when you think about it. Now, what is the one caveat, though, that the Fed always talks about? It's data dependent. So they want to look at the numbers. They want to look at sure. jobs. They want to look at Europe. They want to look at China. We haven't even uh, talked about China yet. I mean, all of these things look like they're pretty, at least now in the near term, right. pretty okay, pretty well, when manageable. When it comes down to it, they've got a dual mandate, right? Right. And, and that's on jobs in and maximum employment, right? Right, which they can define however they want. Apparently, it's not four point nine percent, right? It's that's not what it is. <laughs> Even though uh, that was kind of the five percent was sure. pretty much. But it's not. All right. And then now inflation. Right, which we have none of. Well, yeah. I guess. Well, is that true though? Are we seeing inflation in some areas? You're always going to see inflation in some areas. Okay. Right. Um, but I think overall, oil prices where they are are deflationary right now again they're going back down from that and they're going to okay i think oil is going to take another tumble here 
because we've got seasonal demand for oil beginning to wane. I mean, this, when the summer is over, less people driving. Is that what you're talking about? Part of the reason, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know, so, so that that's going to dip. Um, so, so again, we're going to get into one of these situations, and, and but then that's the problem there with. So the problem with oil was never the price of oil. The problem with oil was 25% of the high yield issuance is from oil exploration and production companies. How are these guys going to be able to service their debt with oil at $40 a barrel, at $30 a barrel, right? right. So that now that spills over to all the banks that have exposure to that, and then that's where you get the problem, right? Because there, there could be this liquidity crunch and this money that was in these buckets is going to have to be siphoned out to cover these losses, to cover this situation that's going on in high yield, right? right. So I think that has that has passed. I think this time around, when oil dips, banks are going to be better positioned for any sort of risk that might take place as a result of that. They've been through it recently, right. so they know been a little bit more. It, it's okay. Um, similar to what happened with the gold miners, right? The gold miners, gold was up like crazy. Everybody's, you know, putting uh, mines in the ground and they're digging and they're going nuts and they're taking out debt and they're, you know, they're doing it. Right. And then when gold came down, for an extended period of time, pretty much, those companies had to adapt because otherwise they would have gone out of business. Right. So then now, as gold has started to creep back up, these companies are much better suited to make money now. So that's why gold miners are doing great. Same thing is going to happen with oil. Oil is going to be depressed for an extended period of time, and these companies are going to learn how to adapt, and then eventually... Well, they get lean and mean, right? They cut their... Sure, exactly. Their, what, what they've got, they get their costs lower, and then once they actually... Then they can deal. They'll and you're it. not seeing big-time oil companies go belly up. You're not seeing it. Right. Right? Um, and we do have uh, oil companies, the major oil companies are starting to report Q2 earnings as well. I believe tomorrow we're going to see Yeah, Exxon. it hasn't been so good. I saw Royal Dutch Shell uh, either this morning or last night. It was, uh, profits are down like 70%. Oh, I think is that I saw right? that. Um, so you're going to have that. I mean, this is not going to be a fantastic quarter for, for oil, I don't think. Okay. Um, Even though this is the seasonal time of uh, where you normally see prices raised for gasoline, which, and that which sort should of thing. be you know frightening for them. For them, okay. Initially, right? And they're also because now you're going. Oh man, I'm going. To, now we're going into this next quarter where these prices could come down, and these guys aren't well positioned enough. And you know, it's the same thing. But again, like you said, leaner and meaner. Right, and natural gas too. A lot of these uh, integrated companies are not necessarily pulling oil out of the ground as much as they are fracking and doing other things to get natural gas. Yeah, nat gas is, is a very very interesting story because um, that a lot you know that helped fuel some of the uh, you know a lot of jobs and manufacturing coming back into the U.S. Because now, when you're overseas, you pay a lot more for nat gas than you do here in the states. Okay. And your number one input when you're in a factory is the energy, right? And a lot of them get their energy from nat gas. So the the energy savings ended up being so much in the U.S. that it over that it uh, compensated for the increased labor costs and a lot of manufacturing is coming back to the U.S. Okay, very good. We're with Dave Bartosiak here on the the Steady Investor. Uh, thanks for listening to Voice America's Business Channel. We're going to take a we're going to take a short break in just a little while, and we're going to discuss some things um, that are also going on. We've discussed Q2 earnings so far. Um, maybe we'll talk about, there was a big merger today, uh, or a buyout, I should say. Oracle bought, uh, what was the name of the company today? Uh, it was a cloud-based uh, play. And I want to talk and see if we might see some tech M&A um, in, the, in the next coming weeks and coming months, and how that might play out. Uh, this is The Steady Investor here on Voice America's Business Channel. I'm Mark Vickery with Dave Bartosiak. We will be right back.
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. The Steady Investor Show is brought to you by Zach's Investment Management, a wealth management boutique formed over 23 years ago and manages several billions of dollars for thousands of customers. At Zach's, we believe acting in your best interest is our obligation. Zach's focuses on providing solutions and listening to our clients' needs. With trust in the financial industry at an all-time low, we find this focus to be a key differentiator for our firm. We're based in Chicago and have a team of advisor representatives located across the country to help you with your retirement planning. Whether you need help with financial planning or looking for a second opinion on your retirement plan, give us a call at 800-245-2934. Or to learn more, go to ZimWealth.com. Again, that number is 800-245-2934. Or go to ZimWealth.com. Fast performance is no guarantee of future results. Potential for loss exists in any investment. Material is for informational purposes only. It is not investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice. A recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. No advice is given about a strategy's suitability for a particular investor. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. listening to The Steady Investor. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to cgaitan at zax.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back, listeners of Voice America's Business Channel. You're on voiceamerica.com. This is The Steady Investor. I'm Mark Vickery. I'm joined today by Dave Bartosiak, a Zach's stock strategist, uh, also with his Twitter feed called Bartosiastics. We talked a little bit about that. Um, I wanted to say, I wanted to give some recommendations of reading material, material for our listeners out there. But one is uh, an article called Mitch on the Markets. Uh, you should look through it uh, through Zach's Investment Management. You can email us at ziminfo at zax.com for that. Um, his latest is called Are Stocks Too Expensive? We've been talking a little bit about the market in general and Q2 earnings and uh, what we've seen is a pretty good uh, situation so far. But I would suggest Mitch on the Markets, Are Stocks Too Expensive? through Zach's Investment Management is a really good read. Also, Finding Your Way, Four Simple Steps to Managing Your Retirement Assets. It's a, uh, that's a circular for Zach's Investment Management that is also an excellent read and you should look into it. If you'd like to contact a representative at Zach's Investment Management, call 800 249 2934, and you can discuss managing your retirement assets. Uh, and again, that email for more information is ziminfo, zim for Z-I-M, Zach's Investment Management, info at zax.com. All right, Dave Bartosiak, we're back here again. Um, Oracle made a major purchase for $9.3 billion this morning. It was, uh, what What was the name of the company? NetSuite. NetSuite, that's right. It was a ticker symbol N. Yep. Um, and this is a basically a cloud-based play, is that right? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of cloud going on here, right? Right. I mean, just across the board. Um, Everybody's would, getting into it. We were talking about with Amazon. Right, Amazon, Microsoft, this place. Um, it just it's, it makes sense, though, right, that that if you're a business, you want kind of a scalable, scalable service 
right? Versus having that that can be whether you're a tiny little guy or you're a huge corporation that will scale and the price will scale along with you, along with your needs, versus having to make any huge, you know, upfront investment on a contract where you're locked in for a certain period of time and a certain. So it's just better, I think, for both parties um, to have these sort of cloud-based, scalable businesses. And I think that's why you're seeing that huge revenues on Microsoft. Um, we're assuming Amazon's going to have a good one. Um, and then, you know, companies are, are that don't already have enough exposure to that space are if they're not going to get it organically, they're just going to do it through acquisition. Right. Um, so that's, uh, that's what, and that's what we're seeing with Oracle today. Nine point three billion. That's not chicken feed. So um, no. they're, they're, they're going big into this cloud. Now, does this um, put any fear into Salesforce.com and, and competitors of that level? They're probably not competing with Amazon as much in the cloud space because it's not but they're, they're more uh, technical products. They're not. Right. They're not the Internet of Things, Oracle. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know that it puts a lot of pressure on CRM. I, I think it's, um, I think it's just a testament to the fact, to, to how big that business is and, um, you know, how how much, how much um, opportunity there is there. Right. I don't think everybody's trying to rush into the. Right. But do we see some more merger and acquisition uh, I don't mean pressure, but do you think we might see some more of a ramp up in that? Does CRM now want to buy Workday? Or, oh, I see what you mean. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, no, I, I think they do because you know part part of this thing with companies having all this money on their balance sheets now, right? Mm -hmm. Is that now we're struggling to find growth. This is going to be a good part, though. Okay, so as the stock market is up here at these very at, at these high levels, historically right? high, right? You're going to have to start justifying your valuations, mm -hmm. right? Eventually, you know? sure. And how are you going to justify these valuations? You're not going to justify it by having a bazillion dollars on your balance sheet and right. just sitting collecting dust. You got to find some growth. So the easiest way to do that is just buy somebody up that's already growing. Right. So you don't have to establish it yourself on your own. Right. So, and I, I think you're going to end up seeing that is these these real big companies that have had a ton of money for a long time are going to start putting that money to work. Because either you're going to do it by building up your infrastructure, you're going to do it by hiring people, um, or you're going to, well, I guess giving, um, increasing wages, right? Right. That's an inflationary pressure thing uh, in that's the right. future. Um, or you're going to buy up companies. Um, so, and I think that's going to be the first step is sort of, nope, you just go out and you just buy somebody because you already got the growth numbers there. You can incorporate them and then boom. And, and if the synergies are right, then that's If the be synergies it. are right. And especially if it's a company that doesn't have as much exposure to a certain space, mm -hmm. they're going to go ahead and do that. You know, before everybody was worried about you know, Apple not having a social media presence, right? Right. So they wanted Apple to go out and make make some of these acquisitions. Um, and Apple just kind of refused to, right? Because they had their vision. They knew where they wanted to go. They didn't want to deal with any of that. I think now you're going to see pressure on companies to go out and get exposure to the cloud, at least over the next few quarters. Right. Um, so some people are going to make great decisions and some people are going to make terrible decisions. Um, and because there's a lot of money out there. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, talk about Apple. Has any company had this much cash on their balance sheet as Apple does currently? And what did they do with it? Did they buy cloud? Who did they buy? They've... I, do, it doesn't look like they're interested, though, in doing that right now. I don't... You know... At, uh, the post Jobs Apple has been just very interesting to me. Okay. Because the whole time we're looking for, okay, where's going to be the next innovative product that's going to change the way that you know 
we that our daily lives goes right. Now, I mean, that's what happened. We're like, oh, we got this iPod. Like this is great. Now all of a sudden, I mean, that revolutionized the music industry, mm-hmm. right? Which I'm sure you know. Um, Napster well, before it, but yes, right. Absolutely. Well, with I, and then iTunes and all this stuff going right. on. Um, so and then now you know the next thing is okay. So you get the iPhone, right? And now their latest iPhone isn't even going to have a headphone jack on it, right? I hear. Oh, really? Yeah, you're going to have to get the special Apple adapter, which would infuriate me if I had any Apple products. I personally don't, so I'm not too worried about it. But that's something Apple has done a lot. You always have to buy their charger. You know, you have to buy everything. Sure. Nothing's interchangeable. And with I think, and that works when you're the Cadillac, right? Mm-hmm. When you are the premier flagship brand that everybody wants, that works. Apple was. You're suggesting they're no longer that status? I don't I don't believe that they are. I think they're great, right? But just like Cadillac started facing, you know, competition from Mercedes-Benz mm-hmm. and Audi and you know around the world, sure. right? Lexus Same on. thing is happening to Apple. Now you have the the flagship Samsung, I'm a Samsung guy, right? Okay. Um is fantastic, right? And I don't have I can any headphones that I want I can use. I mean, it's just little things like that. I mean, think about it. So you just got a pair of $300 Beats by Dre headphones, <laughs> ironically enough, owned by Apple, and you can't plug it into your iPhone. <laughs> well, that would be something. You'd think the synergies would be there. <laughs> right, without an adapter, right. which I'm sure they'll sell an adapter or something. But I mean, it's just, it's just absurd. Okay. But, or, or maybe they're trying to force you to go Bluetooth, right? So then we're going to get rid of these pesky wires, right? I don't know. It's, it's, sure. How much time a day do you spend untangling cords just to plug things in? I, uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's one of those mild inconveniences that maybe 30 years from now we go like, I can't believe I ever had a cord. Right. <laughs> That's great. But it's just, it's, I, I don't know. To so, me, it's, so we're not seeing anything specific as far as mergers and acquisitions in tech, but you're saying it's probably a good possibility we're going to start seeing some uh, some activity that yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been a few um, recently. In, in I, I think... One thing that's strange, and I was talking about this in the break, one thing that's been strange is I've had several companies reach out to me, like PR companies, okay, um, that want that say, oh, hey, I saw your, your video on Twilio. Right, you should, which is a recent IPO. Right. Come talk to us. We have a guy at XYZ Corp that wants to talk to you about how his product is similar to Twilio or how they interact with Twilio. And, all. and I've had that from a few different people now. Okay. And it's just strange. So it's like, why did not, why all of a sudden are these smaller tech companies hiring PR firms? Mm. Yeah. Do you think they're trying to get themselves sold, acquired by these big fish? Right. If you want to talk about <laughs> bubbles, everybody's worried about this equity bubble. There's no equity bubble. Okay. There's a private equity bubble. Private equity bubble. That's going to be the problem. All these unicorns over there, right? Shouldn't be unicorns. All right, the the multi-billion-dollar valuations on some of these private companies. Some of them are justified for sure, but some of them just shouldn't be. So I think a lot of these companies in that, you know, hundred million to one billion-dollar range, they're just kind of just underneath. And they're not publicly traded. Not yet. publicly traded. They want to get bought out. They want to cash out. They want to. They want to go. They want to get known. So they're starting to throw money around that way. Just a theory. Right? Well, we're also but, seeing historically low IPOs lately, too. We did see Twilio, but it's been a very dry IPO. Well, uh, and I, I think Twilio put the stamp on that, like, hey, there are still companies that you can buy where they're not going to be priced to perfection, where the private equity guys didn't squeeze every ounce of money out of it, and you actually got a chance to make money post-IPO on it. So that okay. was one of the refreshing things about Twilio. It was something that actually went up. 
you know, after the IPO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, because you never, I mean, right. Even Facebook, when they first started off, they tanked right after they had their IPO. Right. right. And the only thing about, well, with Twilio, some like 15% of the revenue comes from, you know, WhatsApp. Okay. So people are kind of worried, you know, you get them one huge customer. What if that customer decides they don't like you anymore? No, that's true. That's you know? true. Um, but you're saying there's a big bubble, a bubble in private equity, though. So let's let's get a little bit more uh, detail on this. Yeah, I mean, there is just an absurd amount of companies out there with with above billion dollar valuations at the private level. So, and granted, there's the big ones, right? So Uber, right? Everybody knows about Uber, right? Um, and eventually, they're going to have to come public. But think about how many hundreds of. I guess I'd have to look at the exact number that Uber has raised here over the course of the last couple of years. Um, but it's a mind-boggling amount of money with valuations that are through the roof. Eventually, they're going to go public, and there's so many people that are going to want to cash out that there's I wouldn't touch that IPO with a 10-foot pole. So you're I mean, saying that's where no the bubble's going to burst is when they actually do to go public. When things like that start happening, yeah. Because then you're going to get guys who are in the early state, in the later stages of the funding raise on some of these larger larger unicorns that are, are going to end up losing money. And then that's when all the kind of sub, you know, below that players might have might have some trouble. Okay. Well, you're saying there's not an equity bubble, though. Can we see some IPOs or some mergers in the non-tech, non-private uh, bubbly space uh, that you foresee? Uh, let's say biotech or, or things of that nature. Yeah, I, you know, biotech is always <laughs> happening, right? Because the big drunk companies have you know, don't have their patents anymore and they're right. They don't want to, to develop the new stuff themselves. Right. Let's all the guys take on the risk and then we'll just go ahead and buy them out. So that happens, you know, all the time every right. day. I don't think that's ever going to go away. Um, <clears> and <throat> when is the M&A going to happen in oil? Well, that's a good point too, because okay. there's all these smaller uh, uh, E&P companies that, that basically pull the oil out, but sure. then the bigger integrated ones are gigantic, right. um, what they call super majors. So, you know, those are big companies. And there's going to be easier ways to do that than the old school, you know, here, here's, you know, X amount of dollars per share. I think that way you just go in and buy a ton of their debt and then wait till they, you know, default and then, okay, you want to restructure? Fine. I'll take, you know, <laughs> there's going to be some real nasty corporate raider type stuff going on, which is going to be very entertaining to watch. And you see the likelihood of that going up the longer that um, things like oil prices stay low. Yeah, Absolutely. Because they're going to have to somehow come up with with the funds to to still run their business. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to touch on. And we're talking private equity. I just want to say that. Yeah, please. There are there are a ton of fantastic private equity companies that are out there. You just really have to you know have somebody that's going to help you do due diligence on those. You know, you can't just jump in blindly if you you know have the money to do something like that. You really got to be careful, sort of what business you're getting into, on that side. Well, that's very. There's some big ones that are going to be coming public. All right. Palantir uh, is another big one too. Say that. What was that? One? Palantir. Palantir, what do they do? That's gonna, it's G14 classified. <laughs> <laughs> no, they do a lot of stuff for, for the government. Um, it's like big data in a very easy to use graph, GUI, like graphic user interface. Okay. So it's like you're a company and it's like, hey man, I need to figure out, you know, how many cars are moving around this area at this particular time, you know. It's a government thing now, but it's gonna. You could use that for anything, any kind of business. Well, yeah, I mean, it's data across the board, so it's not. You know, I mean, just any data point you can imagine um, that's that's accessible out there. They just kind of take all of this and compress it into one database, and then find easy ways to interpret this data for kind of the average sort of user, so to speak. Okay, very interesting. And so their their valuation is over a billion dollars. You're saying yeah. also right now, yeah, but it's but worthwhile. That one's 
certainly worth one. Okay, very interesting. Uh, any others before we uh, we're going to have to to wrap this up pretty soon, but uh, let's let's get some final words then. Uh, by the way, um, this is the Steady Investor. I'm Mark Vickery, and I'm with Dave Bartosiak from Zach's, uh, who's a Zach stock strategist. Um, just with 30 seconds left, Dave, uh, any f uh, finishing words up? Yeah, so um, I, th there's more legs to this rally. Okay. Keep your eyes out for oil. Keep your eyes out on the stimulus because if the investors believe that now things are going to get more hawkish and more deflationary pressure, that is going to be a strike against the market and that would be what takes us down. Okay. Dave Bartosiak, thanks very much. Uh, you've been listening to Voice America's uh, The Steady Investor on Voice America's Business Channel. I'm Mark Vickery. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for tuning in this week. Be sure to join Mitch Zacks and Mark Vickery for another edition of The Steady Investor next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you haven't started your retirement plan yet, what are you waiting for? 